All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed-up taxpayer, bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in, as always, and if you haven't already, if you could like and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to it, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, I would so greatly appreciate it. It really means a lot. So today, I want to start off talking about the Great Recession back in 2007, 2008, and obviously there were reverberations for several years after that. It seems like it was probably maybe 2012, 2013 before we were really chugging along out of that recession. And I bring it up because that was a formative period for me. I was coming into adulthood at that time. I was becoming more aware of politics. I was becoming more engaged I was even writing in letters to the Boston Globe. I actually got a couple of letters published in the Globe when I was a freshman in college. And I remember keenly what it was like back then. And I would say probably the big symbol of that period was the Hummer, the big GM car. It was basically like a U.S. military vehicle that was civilianized and sold. And the Hummer was such a big symbol because of the gas that it consumed. And it was just considered the just the excess of America at the time. It just epitomized that. And the Hummer, it, it went away. I think it's back now, but it, it was killed by GM. And the car companies, the big three they were known at the time, GM, Ford, and Chrysler. Do you remember they were called up before Congress and they flew in on private jets and and they got all this criticism, the CEOs of those companies, and then they, they ended up coming back. They had to drive and they were in Jeeps and they were in GM vehicles. And so basically, gas, it was just rising like it is now. You know, it didn't get anywhere near $5 for most Americans like it is now. But the aftermath of the recession were the big three, they consolidated their operations. So, for example, Saturn and Pontiac, you remember those brands? They were GM brands. They're gone now. Volvo, maybe, I don't know if Ford owned Volvo, but Volvo was sold off. I think it's a Chinese company now. Saab, that's gone. And there's been even further mergers since. But the car companies, they got a lot more efficient in terms of the vehicles they were producing. You remember the fuel efficiency? That was another big talking point that these clunkers, they were getting like... 20 miles to the gallon or less than 20 miles to the gallon versus the Japanese vehicles, which were getting much closer to 30. And so the, the trucks though, that was like a big target, the Hummer, the trucks, um, people were, it it was just like whiplash. If 
you were a truck owner and you had to go to the pump. So anyway, the recession faded. It's in the rearview mirror for most of us now, 14, 15 years ago. Nobody cares. And the car industry, it's, it's incredible right now. People are, they've been buying trucks for years and the big three, they basically looked at the truck, like the F-150 or the Silverado, as the new Cadillac. And they spec them out with all these luxury features, and they put a $50,000 price tag on them. And people went nuts for them again once the gas settled down and the economy improved. And I remember thinking back in 2013 that, just like with everything, the, the price is going to fluctuate with gas. And the price of gas, it will rise again. And here we are at $5. And now everybody's complaining about gas who has a car. But there doesn't seem to be really much slowing demand for trucks and other very expensive luxury vehicles. As I was prepping for the show, I almost forgot, but... The reason why GM and Chrysler were called before Congress was because they were begging for a handout, for bailout money. They almost completely went out of business. Ford didn't take any bailout money, but GM and Chrysler, they did. The banks, the big banks all got bailouts to Bank of America, uh, American Express, and many others, right? There was all kinds of bailout money and Basically, that was the note that George W. Bush left office on, was the the Great Recession. And COVID nearly launched us into another one. But that just turned into a big bonanza for businesses again. And there was tons of fraud money going out the door. There were tons of businesses who were in perfectly fine shape, who were applying for millions of dollars, among them Shake Shack, NBA franchises, they got busted in the media and and they ended up returning that money. But it's just an expectation now that if there's any kind of trouble on the horizon that the government, aka the taxpayers, are just going to bail out these industries. The airlines, right? How much money did the airlines get? $25 billion, something like that. And now the price of a flight, if you want to go inside the United States, can easily be on the other side of $500. And they laid off, or right after the extension period was ended, they ended up laying off a bunch of staff, flight attendants, and pilots. And now they're trying to get them all back. And that's the thanks, basically, is they they got $25 billion from the taxpayers and then they just turn around and slap you in the face with these outrageous prices and you know they're going to blame it on the gas just like everybody else wants to blame things on the gas in any case before i get ahead of myself the car industry seems fine now the biggest issue they've been dealing with in the last year is the supply chain and the wait list for the new F-150, which I believe is an electric slash hybrid vehicle. Apparently it has a huge wait list. I don't know the price tag on it. I, it, it's probably a $70,000, $80,000 vehicle though. And it has a wait list. And do you know what? I wonder how many people on that wait list 
have student loans that they haven't had to pay on in over two years. And actually, they still don't have to pay on it. And they haven't had to pay any interest. And that's something I think about a lot is these huge trucks, these $50,000 trucks. You know, I'll read a story in the paper about uh, student loans and the people who are affected by them. And it's a ton of people who are, they're in the middle class, fair enough. And they they have jobs and they're paying taxes and I get that. But they've got these student loans that they signed a contract for when they were adults. And they had to go in and sign the contract again each year to take out more loans for their education. But they've got these expensive vehicles. And if, if it's a family, I know that's an increasingly rare uh, unit in this country, but if it's a, a husband and wife with a kid, you know, then the two of them, they'll have a, they'll each have a truck or one of them will have a truck and one of them will have an SUV for their one kid, especially if they're white because white people, they don't really have kids anymore. They have one or they maybe have two. If they, if they really want to go nuts, they'll have two, but they, they go right for the SUV and they've got student loans and people make up all these reasons why they need an SUV. Oh, they, they just need the space or whatever the case might be. And maybe they do because obviously the obesity factor, especially in the wake of COVID, you don't want to be crammed into a small little Ford Focus or sedan. The cars, I, increasingly, I just don't get it. And I have not owned my own vehicle now in about three years. And I'm not saying that because I'm on some high horse or because I'm some climate freak. I work remotely now and I just don't need one. Granted, there are occasions when I think, wow, it would just be so much easier if I just had my own car for the weekend or if I'm going somewhere out of town and I need to get an Uber or take a train or something like that. And sure, I definitely have moments where, when I think it would be nice to have a car. But you know what? It's, it's not necessary to have the car. And it's certainly not necessary to have a truck. But how many people, they buy a truck now and they're not in the construction industry or they're not laborers. They don't have to put anything in the truck bed. They just want one because they're nice or they just want to be higher above the ground when they're driving on the highway. Well, you know what? The student loan portfolio, it's well over $1 trillion. So if you don't need a truck because of your job that you need to pay back your student loan, if you don't need an SUV to get from A to B, well, then how dare you have that car and ask to get your student loans forgiven, which it does look like Joe Biden is getting there. I know that he really wants, or he says that he wants the US Congress to get involved in that decision and forgive something around $10,000, right? So if you heard recently Corinthian colleges, which they were these uh, private colleges, a lot of them popped up, these, these private colleges, and a lot of them were online or they were technical or whatever. They preyed on minorities is what they did. They preyed on people of color. So anybody who had a loan, and, and particularly people who didn't end up graduating, so that was another thing. They were basically, they were preying on people of color, they were getting them to take out government loans, 
And then the students, they weren't completing a degree there. And then the university or college or whatever it was, the scam, ended up defunct anyway. So Joe Biden just recently forgave, I don't know how much that cost, over $5 billion. You know what? I have no problem with that. Absolutely. Those people, they were preyed upon and scammed and the government was involved because the government gave them loans. So I have no problem in, in that case. And it's my understanding there are, there still could be 2 million people left who they took out student loans and they didn't end up graduating and they're stuck with the loans. Many of them, they went to legitimate institutions. They just, they didn't finish. So here's my question though. Okay, so let's just say Joe Biden gets through his deal to forgive $10,000 in student loans, anybody who has government loans. And I don't know what the average borrower has right now. Every time I look at that figure, it goes up. I'm going to say it's 40, 50, around there, 40, $50,000 left. And okay, so you get 10 grand forgiven. That's nice. Helps you out a little bit. Okay, but what about the next crop that's graduating? What about in two years? What about in three years? These schools, they're just getting more expensive. They are supported by this flush government loan situation that they found themselves in, quite fortunately. Even universities, which are, they're not top tier, but they're decent universities, Boston University, Northeastern, I'm familiar with being from the Boston area, they have $70,000 a year price tags if you end up paying full freight. So the more in loans that they're getting, they're just increasing the tuition and the fees and the housing and everything else. And they're paying out their staff more and their professors more. And it's just, I mean, talk about inflation. I mean, these colleges, they have just been inflating and inflating and inflating. Uh, for, it's just out of control for the last 20, 30 years at these schools. And it's the same thing at these state schools too. And after the recession, or even one of the other consequences of the recession was states, they were giving less and less and less tax money to the state schools. And so the state schools, they started investing in all of these extracurricular or non-academic programs, right? They invest more in the football stadium. They open state-of-the-art gyms. They open another state-of-the-art dining hall. That's what they've done where I graduated. When I attended uh, UMass Amherst, there was a brand new gym. It, it was a beautiful complex. It was multi-story. It had state-of-the-art equipment. It, it was gorgeous. It was a stunning building. And I went back a few years ago around Thanksgiving. The campus was mostly all closed up, but a friend of mine who I graduated with and my husband, we went back. I just wanted to show him where I went to school. And you know what was under construction? Another gym and another dining hall. And th those are the kinds of things now that colleges need to attract students. They need to have the nice gym. They need to have the nice concert facility. They need to have the athletic facilities. And that's what you're paying for as a student. And so you're, you're going in and you're paying $70,000 sticker price. Okay, maybe you don't live on campus and you can chip away 
12 or 15 grand or 20 grand maybe. But if you aren't going into a career path that is going to be able to pay off that loan, it's crazy. So what is this $10,000 really doing for anybody? It's just it's just sticking like a little band-aid on this big open wound and it, there's still blood coming out of it. So I, I know that it was a campaign promise for Joe Biden, but it, it, like I, I'm just not seeing the big picture on this. I'm not seeing what's the long-term strategy. And is this now, is, is this part of the plan that it's going to be just a $10,000 forgiveness each year? Just keep renewing that until we get closer and closer and closer to just free college for everybody. But I'll leave you with this. If you own a luxury vehicle, a BMW, a Mercedes, if you own a Jeep, if you own an SUV and, and you're reporting to an office or a school every day, if you own a truck and you're not in the construction industry, then do you really need to have student loan forgiveness? If you can keep up with that payment, why can't you keep up with your much lower student loan payment that you actually haven't had to pay for over two years and you're still in a reprieve? I'm just asking the question. Thank you for listening. I'm Bronan. This is Real Texas Radio Podcast.